everybody. Welcome to the Improv Network podcast. This is a series of conversations aimed at building stronger connections throughout the improv community. I'm James Quesada. And I'm Bob Wick. And we are your education team for the Improv Network. Uh, you can go to theimprovnetwork.org to check out all sorts of great resources and educational tools. Uh, we got we got blogs and interviews, and we have an improv FAQ page with these conversations cataloged, as well as uh, mini lectures on improv topics. We got profiles. You can make yourself profiles. So many profiles. One Everybody's profile for profile. every day of the week. Like when I meet new people, like how many profiles you got? One? Oh, <laughs> then you're not on the network, son. You got to come out in here and make some profiles. That's how I vet all my new <laughs> friends and acquaintances. <laughs> yeah. But that's uh, what I'm enough for Christmas. Here's a profile. Enjoy. <laughs> uh, truly, though, you can make yourself an individual performer profile, uh, uh, profile for all your teams, uh, for your theater, for your festival, for yourself as a teacher and a coach and and all that good stuff. So uh, check out what the Improv Network has to offer um, for uh, resources and profiles. <laughs> um, we are very excited to have our a, a team. Have we have we done uh, we've done a duo before? I don't think we've done like a full improv full team true. before nope. on the show. So we're very excited to have um, an improv team with us today that has been performing together since uh, they started in two thousand five based in Austin, Texas, in the Hideout Theater. They do all sorts of narrative and genre-based uh, shows in different formats. Um, they have performed, uh, I, I think I caught somewhere around 700 shows together before losing count. Um, and they have a, a book out there in the improv world uh, called Do It Now, Essays on Narrative Improv. We are very excited to welcome cast members uh, from Parallelogramma Phonograph, uh, <laughs> the most syllables I've ever said in a row. Yeah. Um, uh, please welcome Kareem and Roy and Casey and Valerie to the show. Yeah. Hello. Hi. Welcome, y'all. We are, we are proud of our uh, multi-syllabic absurd name. <laughs> it's been a problem for 16 years and counting. Problem we created a long time ago. <laughs> it's a good problem to have. People aren't going to forget. Oh my god! It is. It's like a challenge, though. It, like it makes you study the name in a way that that makes you remember it. So, like, um, mm -hmm. I think it is in a way a great tool for imprinting uh, in people's minds. Kareem, what's the what's the slogan? I know it. Uh, it's unforgettable, unrepeatable. Yeah, I'm <laughs> But it, it took us like four shot. or five years to be like, oh, that's a thing we could say that applies to the art. Yeah, we don't really say it. <laughs> yeah, just, just that's like amazing. our shows. Unforgettable, unrepeatable. Um, and I should say that a P graph for short, um, yes. <laughs> to make it easier on anybody uh, to chat about it or uh, as we get through our conversation. Um, so uh, y'all do all sorts of different narrative. And like I said, you've been performing for uh, some 15, 16 years. And I'm sure that um, your form and your show has gone through plenty of iterations. But um, could you start us off by uh, just describing for the audience how, how you describe your show to people when they ask about it, uh, you know, uh, at, a, at a, you know, meeting somebody at the bar. How do you describe your show to somebody uh, that you're talking to? Yeah, I mean, when I... Uh, when people ask me about it and I usually just say we do improvised plays is the simplest way to describe it and mm -hmm. kind of people know what we're doing. Yeah. 45 to 60 minute uh, play without a script. Okay. And then, so I see uh, on your website that um, you have all these different formats. Um, mm -hmm. Are you, do you go through like seasons of doing that stuff or um, are those for, you know, if you do, you, you kind of, I'm sure pick, you know, if you go to a festival or something like that, you uh, just pick your favorite at the moment. To, the festival to usually picks it based oh, really? on what photographs. Well. well, we give them options. Like we can do the one of these four or five shows uh, and they, they kind of pick based on what'll, what'll fit well with either the theme of the festival or based on what other groups are doing. And so it's good to have those options so that they can, they can kind of pick and choose. Um, yeah. How they, want to promote 
um, when we started, so most of those formats, most of those shows and formats were developed in like the first five or six years of our existence as a troupe, um, primarily for marketing purposes, or no, not in part for marketing purposes, so that we can take a photo of a show and tell people what they're going to see other than it's improv. Well, like we realized improv. it was a perk, you know, like that became clear after yeah. we had put up a, a, we did a show called, uh, what did, wait, what's the after school? After school after, improv. It was just called after school improv. Yeah, um, straightforward. Very, yeah, that was just an improvised after school special. It was the very first like genre e format we had ever done. Yeah, and that was in that was Valerie's. Uh, Valerie, you might, I was thinking maybe turn your camera off. Is that possible on this where you can turn your camera off but leave your audio on? Yeah, I think so. Like on Zoom, <laughs> it might help. There it is. Okay, great. Oh, she's gone though. <laughs> we, we can probably we can still hear her though. Valerie, can you can you talk? Uh, sure. Okay, oh, just, we're just double checking that your <laughs> can still be heard. Um, uh, what was I saying? Oh, so we did this show called uh, Yeah. Sorry, you're choppy. So yeah. like, it's like it's like. Can you hear me? <laughs> Like yeah, you, so so Valerie, you're on a bit of a delay, and some something sounds like uh, someone's in the upside Maybe. down. Yeah, <laughs> was the audio um, not coming through? The audio's coming yes. through clear. You're on a delay, though. I think so. We might have to just wait and see if it uh, corrects itself. How far are you from your house, Valerie? <laughs> yeah, wait for the delay. Yeah, pause. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Um, I'll say uh, in the break between here that um, for anybody tuning in, feel free to throw out any questions you might have for PGRAPH. Um, we love to get engagement from people who are listening in. Um, so feel free to throw out questions for the team. Um, even about throw out a 10 minute improv. drive. Oh, wow. That is quite a delay. <laughs> quite the delay. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good 30 second delay. But um, okay, so uh, Val's, uh, excuse me, Valerie's um, 10 minutes away from home. Yeah. Cool. We'll get that sorted. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, uh, good. So while doing research, I, I saw a lot of your photos on the Instagram. I don't know why I said the. Uh, on Instagram, <laughs> I've been hanging out with my parents too long. I saw you on Instagram and on the Facebook, and uh, yeah, the genres do lead to like a lot of great photos and advertisements because yeah. I, you're not one of those troops that wear multicolored shirts and stand in an elevator like here we are, you know. Like, <laughs> really we cool have one. as a joke. Yeah, we, we we opened for ourselves once as a uh, all, all short form uh, Christian oh, yeah. shoot troop from West Carolina. That was the nutty funsters. Oh, that was the, yeah, the nutty funsters. Yeah. Anyway, well, uh, yeah, oh, yeah, it, 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 it lends yeah. itself to to I don't want to say easier marketing, but it, it at least lets it gives people something to to identify the show with, something to latch on to, something to you know. Pique their interest. Um, that was that was the sort of superficial reason for doing it, uh, or maybe the, the the pleasant byproduct. The artistic reason was that we just we wanted we aspired to do more theatrical improv, and that meant reaching towards different theatrical genres or different story genres, different types, things that would challenge us uh, and just force us to do something different or learn a new skill. Yeah, it really. I'm sorry. Was that the goal from the beginning, or is that something you guys just came up with? Like during your pretty run. immediately. No, it was pretty immediately. They were, they were I wish it. we had that list. It feels very like I've been doing a lot of manifestation meditation stuff in my life lately. Um, and there's a thing called scripting where you like write out goals and then read them regularly and sort yeah. of help wish them into existence. And we actually had a list as PGRAPH and oh. very early on in our rehearsals of like stuff we wanted to do. And within mm -hmm. a few years, we had hit every item on this mm -hmm. bucket yeah. list. Um, and we had forgotten about the list and we literally found it a few years later and we were like, we did everything on this list. <laughs> and it was stuff like 
Yeah. That seemed completely absurd to us at the time. It was like travel internationally for improv, you know, uh, have a weekly improv show, which we absolutely did, uh, you know, come up with like five different show concepts. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think the thing that really codified kind of our like early kind of strategy and show concept stuff was doing improvised French farce, which was mm-hmm. a idea that Casey had that we didn't know anything about, but we soon embraced. Um, and we realized uh, it was very visually striking because after our initial run, we started using like full on Moliere, like white makeup with like, really like broad like red rosy cheeks and like completely absurd uh costumes Uh, and we started getting accepted to festivals uh because they took one look at it and they were like exactly like what the hell is that they were like oh it's not another group doing uh like in brightly colored shirts doing a format that is like the armando with a twist you know not there's anything wrong with that but it made us stand it made us stand out uh and uh and yeah, yeah and then that's we, when we really started running. Breaking, yeah, we started breaking into more festivals at that yeah. point. Um, and that's when we also started getting at that was 2007 when we went to Providence and we were headlining. We started headlining festivals and and I, I remember it felt pretty exciting. Yeah. In these big theaters and um yeah. and and we were able to deliver. <laughs> I remember not knowing yeah. if it could. Um, and then the shows like going it helped that we had a weekly show in Austin um, so that was yeah. that was sort of key, uh, helping us get sharp, I mean, I, stay sharp yeah that, that helped and also I mean just the, the sort of ethos was we were tr- constantly trying to improve and trying to get better and even if we got a critique or a, a negative seemingly negative comment or a rejection from a festival we would kind of look at what the rejection was and kind of unpack mm-hmm. it. And there were a couple, there were a couple of those moments. Like we, we applied for a festival and Sean Landry was, I don't remember which festival it was, but she, she basically said, uh, I wish your video had you in costume the way your promo photo did. And we we're like, Oh crap. Okay. Yeah, yeah of course we should, yeah. Yeah. We should do that. And they're we like, thought, but- yeah, we thought we need the narrative to be good. Like it needs to be a show that ends well, but actually the first right. 10 minutes is really all that matters. <laughs> <laughs> for a submission video yeah so, what's what's the scheduling like for a troupe like yours um do you rehearse every week or uh when you set a goal like oh this is the genre we're doing for this season we're gonna focus on that until show starts or so we're like 16 work? we're like 17 is it 17 years in is it no it's 16 years 16 in. years in. yeah so we're 16 years in as a troupe which is pretty long and um, early on, like I'd say the first 10 years, we we did meet weekly and we would rehearse. Um, and then when we had a, a specific format, we would rehearse that. Work but as we six got, weeks or so. Yeah. Yeah. We would rehearse for like a month or two weekly yeah. leading up to the show premiering. And then at some point we realized we were burning a lot of material in rehearsal and we stopped rehearsing because it didn't seem to serve the show anymore. Yeah. And then we were just meeting weekly to like touch base and like talk about business. Mm-hmm. But then all of our lives started to boil over and really honestly just trying to keep it going as a weekly show became like a challenge. Yeah. Um and, and that was like enough to like just make that the the thing is like yeah. And then like yeah, it's like at this point the the hive our hive mind is so strong that like we really just need a quick powwow and then we lock in um in the show and yeah that's so weird to say because we were so yeah i mean it's it's true like for the first first five or six years we needed to rely on ourselves as a group to to generate new improv ideas or or show concepts to stretch ourselves Mm -hmm. so we 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 were hungry for it we wanted to get better we wanted to build our little our you know our improv tool belt and then as we became involved in the hideout more or more shows similar to how we approach things started happening around town we were able to as individuals or sometimes we would all be cast in the same show that wasn't a p-graph show but we'd, we'd kind of be able to get scratch that new genre new thing itch uh elsewhere often using the tools and skills that we'd built up years before already so meeting weekly it, it's not really a thing that happens anymore uh because we're all so busy 
But if, you know, if and when we have a new show concept or show format, even though they happen less frequently than they used to, we will definitely like work it up for, you know, four weeks or six weeks or something. Yeah. So our advice is uh, you should rehearse weekly uh, for the first 10 years. <laughs> first 10 years. <laughs> and then you're off the and hook and you can do what you want. <laughs> yeah. Well, really, I mean, that's a big question for me uh, as soon as I saw just how long y'all had been performing together. Yeah. Um, we, we do talk a lot on here about like rehearsal culture and like how difficult it is to even get people together for, you know, the first yeah. six months of a team, let alone 10 years. Um, and do you have any, obviously it's not going to be every team that lasts for 10 years right. and, and more, but like um, for teams that are trying to stick to a regiment and build structure and, and, you know, off stage, yeah. What what were some of the things that that um, that you really held to or or helped you accomplish that? I mean, I I don't know if writing those goals. I mean, we wrote those goals down just to kind of get our thoughts out. But like, this is the this is the list that you blew through. Yeah, way back like, when. Okay, yeah. <laughs> but it, it's it kind of spoke to the fact that we collectively had mm -hmm. the, the same goals in mind for the group. From yeah. a very early point, we we kind of we all were roughly at the same uh, improv development um, stage and got to you know we wanted to develop together as a troupe and be be you know be this ensemble and I think you know starting out by having those similar goals I don't know if there's another word but having those similar goals in mind just kind of gave us that that north star that we were always striving towards um which you know sometimes meant beating ourselves up too much when a show didn't go well but it also mm -hmm. meant being committed to to the work being committed mm -hmm. to doing the improv and making the improv better um oh, yeah. i remember early on we had a rule that we would we would allow ourselves to skip rehearsal if we had three shows in a week Remember that rule? Yeah. If Graph had, we were like, you know what? We've seen each other enough, or we've worked, we've done the work enough. We can skip rehearsal this week, Our and it came up enough. That, yeah. <laughs> we'll go and have dinner with them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, it's true. Uh, the like over the years, I've been asked to coach various groups. You know, either as a one-off or like an ongoing basis. And the very first thing I ask them when we have our first rehearsal together is what are your goals as an, a group and i almost never have gotten an answer right <laughs> not even like a satisfactory answer like any answer or an answer yeah because yeah it's hey not... we just want to have fun is an answer if you all if you're all having that answer then great yeah. and you're here for the same reason sweet i would have them all at the beginning of a rehearsal process if they asked me to come in i'm like you're gonna sit down for the first 15 minutes and write down a bullet list each yeah. and then compare um because we did we were so serious i mean we're still kind of serious but we were very serious when we started with our different mm -hmm. rules of yeah. like attendance and yeah. all of our vacation time went to traveling to festivals yeah it was a lot um, of three-day weekends throughout throughout the year to, to get to festivals and perform once and uh, and then come home yeah, it's like that was we, you know, and, and uh, an, an unhealthy level of dedication and commitment to this very stupid thing is is how you succeed. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, you really have to love it a lot to do what you are talking about doing as a group, uh, and and yeah, it's, that's going to look and feel overboard a lot of the time. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so, it takes it takes uh, some obsession, right? Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, I think it's really paid off, like, not just for the group, but I'd feel like on a, I think for all of us on a personal level, yeah. um, having put in that much time doing improv yeah. and doing narrative improv. Yeah. I mean, like, it's a game changer for acting on yeah. stage, on screen, for writing, um, which I mm -hmm. didn't realize at the time at all. I was just like, I love this improv thing. And we have a really great group mind. You know, I remember... <laughs> Well, because it wasn't only it wasn't only, only improv like you know outside of rehearsal or maybe you know in rehearsal process or like outside of rehearsal improv time like we would devour books on on story and story structure and narrative not to like regurgitate it on stage but just to like wrap our heads around different ways of approaching approaching narrative so that we could mm -hmm. attempt to do it on an improv stage or like you know have that sort of touchstone so like yeah. you know we, we spent so much time like being absolute 
dorks. <laughs> it's just yeah, like everything's that. That, uh, that we were not sense. yeah, we weren't satisfied with the books out about um improvised narrative. No. Yeah. And we basically realized our if our goal was to perform various kinds of improvised plays on stage and Let's we would have that. to we'd have to cre create our own system or yeah. you know yeah. go from the ground up. And so that's what we did yeah. and it took us well, well, let me ask you this. Are there any skill sets that you discovered were helpful that you didn't know that you would need? Because it, it, it makes sense that you would you would study, you know, scene structure, story structure. Yeah. If you wanted to be uh, narrative oriented. But is there like, oh, tap dancing? Who knew? You know, like, uh, <laughs> there are some stupid ones. Uh, certainly ones. And this kind of goes to this kind of starts to peek into how we develop things. Um, I don't remember how we first did it, but when we're doing a genre or, or dissecting a genre, de deconstructing it to figure out what we need to do, we'll see, like, are there any special skills involved in staging this thing? Like we we tried to approximate like courtly Victorian dancing or I guess Jane Austen sort of dancing in a in a in a, in a show which was you know not dancing but it was it was so stupid but like it it worked and then I've seen movies where I'm like they're doing what we were doing uh, you know we we had to learn how to pretend to ride a horse or like bounce in a car for a, a noir show or a western like there are yeah. little things that get picked up. Um, and then for more like performance, like or not performance, but like sort of more complicated performance skills, like we would sometimes we will pick genres or shows to address something we knew we were very bad at. Like we are bad at playing villains in shows, even when a show a narrative needs a villain, and we know that narratives have villains. We are bad at doing that. All right, let's make a show where we have to play objectively bad people on stage and right. to like get that in our bones that and now whenever there's a show that needs a villain we're just like great we just we just sort of put that that memory on and just like do the thing you know? no i would say though that coming into it something that helped us outside of the work we were doing in the troupe to develop our skills the outside skills we brought in i think all of us had an interest in theatricality um yeah. and had had come in with a, a love of performance to varying degrees. Yeah, um, I had done true. some kind of performance, um, you know, whether it was a uh, street performance or like, yeah. a, Oh, I don't know what you would call um, this thing that Kareem and Roy did before P graph, like, of, like uh, jack, jackassery <laughs> like prank like 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 university prank performance but it wasn't yeah, it was that, i don't know that that seems fair because some of it was quite yeah. innocent gentle um, gentle pranking a dusting of pranking if you've ever heard yeah. of their pants day that was something that the, the university group they were in started which then yeah. became like an international thing that they just stopped claiming because it it was weird it got you know something called no pants day can get weird so at some point you just detach <laughs> involvement with it and then it rides off into the sunset pantsless i mean yeah jesus what a vision uh so i mean we we as a group collect you know collectively and individually we um we had a little a healthy amount of pretension to us i believe uh which yeah. is often the case with young artists i think you 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 aspire for lofty things and, and and improv. No one knew what improv. Not no one, but a lot of people did, did like commonly didn't know what improv was. So we were you know they thought oh you're just doing stand up you're doing yuck em ups blah blah blah. So like no it's it's theater and you know we we overdid it for sure uh, both externally and internally. But but because of that we would like okay we, we let's let's go out and see plays as a with like just as a troupe, let's go see plays and talk about the thing we saw. Let's read a bunch of plays. Let's just like pull from this, you know, tradition of theater that improv is very much a part of that for some reason, you know, in the, in the early two thousands, uh, people yeah. were refusing to accept. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Stubbornness. Yeah. There's a little bit of stubbornness. Yeah. We got it. We picked up some, uh, pretty strong influences early on too. I think just Dave Rosowski saying that all improvisers are actors yeah, like, was, was something that resonated with us. It was like, yeah, duh, of course. But like that really spoke to how we were already feeling yeah. and gave us permission to yeah. act on stage. 
We were really um, lucky to develop in Austin as well because there wasn't as much of a you have to do improv this way yeah, at ethos at here. All. So we really got to um, decide what what it meant for us to get on a stage without a without a yeah. script. Uh, Casey, just in case you didn't see my comment, uh, your video is frozen, but your audio is amazing. Okay, uh, I turned off. <laughs> <laughs> I turned off Wi-Fi and on my phone and stuff and to close some tabs. Okay. But if it's if the audio is great, then yeah. And it, it froze on a really good photo of you. Yeah, so uh, you look you look the, the chat is saying that your the hair uh, looks up. amazing. Yeah, <laughs> we, we okay, got great. your new headshot. There we go. Okay, sorry. I just wanted to let you know in case you didn't know. Thank you. <laughs> in case you do any visual uh, demonstrations. Right. Yeah. But Casey's right. Like we were able to forge our own destiny because there wasn't an expectation of what was expected of an improv troupe. So yeah. we took inspiration that resonated with us and had the freedom to do what we wanted with it, which was great. Yeah. Uh, and Kareem talked about us doing like three shows a week early on. And part of that is it was just Hard. literally <laughs> the Austin improv community was was run as a collective then. And there were a lot of really enthusiastic people and a lot of stage time, but um, not really. It wasn't being like run top down. It was basically being run by the people that were interested in doing it. And so the schedule would get put out and then troops would drop out. And like literally on the message board, this is pre-Facebook, uh, they would say like, a spot open, who wants it? And we'd be like, we do. So we often wouldn't be scheduled at all for a week, and we would wind up doing three shows, yeah. uh, and then and then canceling. We were hungry. Stuff. We were hungry for stage time. We wanted to get the reps in and, and get better. And yeah, we Valerie. would do any any Valerie. dumb show that anybody <laughs> said. I mean, kind of. Yeah, no, we really would. Like we performed <clears throat> parks and bars and did things that now we would be like we would turn it down. But then it was it was a few, yeah. you know grab as much as we could. Yeah. yeah, I mean, honestly, it, it sounds uh, like a very lucky combination of things. And and, and again, I think people really mm -hmm. get frustrated about um, when when troops don't catch fire or like uh, uh, take off the way that you want them to, or not everybody has the same right. goals and everything. But it, it really does take not not only um, a lot of like intention, but uh, a lot of uh, lucky combinations of. But it, mm -hmm. you know, like you're saying, it depends on what the goals are. You yeah. know, the the concept of the troop taking off or being successful didn't exist. Our metric for success was: is the improv better than it was last week or last month? Great, and like yeah. that was it. You know, like they, I mean, improv troops. There's no success for an improv troop as an improv troop. It's so like there's so the like the next book. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, well, it depends on what well for this. You know, I mean, it depends. It depends on, on how you define success, yeah. right? But like yeah. traditional, like economic or scalable success, like you, there's like three improv troops that are able to sort of make a living doing that thing. You know, right. so you just have to find the, the reason you're doing it and 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 love it together. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, and Valerie, welcome back. Um, uh, can we hear you? Uh, just yeah. To... Oh, awesome. Yay. Yes. Good. Sound no great? delay. <laughs> You're great. Yeah. Awesome. Um, and we do have a couple questions uh, from the comment gallery here. Um, Kurt, hey, Kurt, uh, asks, are there any best practices for rehearsals that work for you? Uh, I know we talked about just uh, generally scheduling and getting that regiment down. But once you're in a rehearsal, do you have some like go to golden rules um, for yourselves or that you offer to other, other groups? I, I would say I remember um, that it sometimes it can get tricky to actually get started and do it. Like people yeah. will just talk shop to avoid doing the improv. That's true. <laughs> and mm -hmm. I think like one thing that was working for us for a while was having a different person lead each rehearsal in the group. Yeah. Um, we never, we don't, we don't, we don't have a, a director or a yeah, coach. We never did a coach or a right. director model, which I think, you know, there were challenges with that and get, learning to give each other notes, which took many years yeah. and sometimes learning to not give notes and <laughs> just like let yeah. things be, which I wish maybe we had been told, but, but I'm such a people pleaser that I am really glad we didn't have a coach or a director because I think mm -hmm. I would have, I would have performed to please the coach instead of to find my own 
And I think we knew that. Like we can't, we, we may not have been able to articulate it, but we we kind of had that intuitive sense of like I don't I want I don't want to be doing what someone else thinks we should be doing. Mm -hmm. We want to figure out what it is we want to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I do and, think you know, it's. Go ahead, Valerie. Um, I do think it's really important to be honest in feedback, not about like here's my vision and why I think right. you're not doing what's right. But like, if something doesn't feel good to you, it is really important to be able to give the feedback of like, Hey, I felt like, um, I felt ignored in that scene or I felt, um, you know, like, um, I ha I, I really had something and you weren't listening to me or, you know, if, if you felt something personal, I think it's really important to be able to talk about that. And, and then set it, setting those boundaries as a group and like mm -hmm. establishing what, how like kind of what that communication is. So it doesn't seem like it's coming out of nowhere that you're suddenly yeah. saying how you feel, you know? Like, yeah. yeah. That's, that's pretty huge. And, and it took us a while. It took us a while to st awkwardly stumble through figuring out that that is a, a way, at least for us to work. Yeah. Um, another big thing, uh, kind of not the opposite of that, but I think together with that is, I, for the most part, I think most notes, if you're directing yourself, you're giving, you're, you're kind of noting each other. You, most notes can be given in, the, in, in frame in like the context of we are doing this rather yeah. than like, you messed up my scene. You know, it's like, no, no, we aren't good at establishing the protagonist. We should all work on doing that now. You know, it's like, because usually everyone feel, hopefully everyone feels roughly the same about whether something was successful or not and if you can at least if you can at least get on that page then you can start talking about like how do we make that show better how do we make that thing better yeah i'd say don't give notes right after a show and wait write them down if you must and then and then bring that to rehearsal yeah. as really uh, raw right after a show yeah it's too it's not a good time it's like it's it's you want to enjoy the vibes post show unless something yeah. went really off the rails and you have to have like a crowded little powwow <laughs> right yeah. but even that takes a certain level of experience to be to like be able to divorce yourself from what just happened like it took us years to be able to go like show's done and now we can be like that was all right yeah and cool and that's no not me <laughs> i'm still i'm still too sensitive um and yeah. it's okay everybody has different levels you know of um their little heartstrings and how they work and uh and sometimes it's like you can pour yourself into a show that is still not working. And it's so yeah. hard to do that, especially when you're doing a narrative and it's like a 60 minute long show. Yeah. And then to come out of that. And if your troop mate is immediately like, how oh, that sucked, you can feel it's so disheartening and, and it, mm -hmm. it doesn't help me. So like, this was a thing too, that the hideout kind of realized there used to be a more of a model, I think of directors giving notes before the cast was released. And, I'm so glad that that changed. Yeah, yeah we don't do that anymore. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I think you should just be able to, everyone can take their own experience away from what happened and then let's compare notes right. later. And, um, and also don't tell other people in your troop that it, <laughs> if they're like, wow, that was great. No, it wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It seems yeah, so obvious, but it happens because in the moment you're like, I need yeah. somebody to confirm my reality. It's very important right. to me. I'd be confirmed. It's and true. it's like yeah. learning tact I mean, some people never learn tact, but it'd be no. great to try. <laughs> yeah, I'd say the only exception is if somebody did something that was really like unsafe yeah. or out of bounds. Right. You, that does need to be addressed immediately. Right. But but if it's just like, you know, in terms of the quality of the show, that can that can obviously wait. Yeah, yeah. That man, I, I'm really glad that we unpacked that point a lot because I think that it's um, it's one of those subtopics of. Uh, the conversation of like working uh, as a team um, where, you know, I think most improvisers generally or, or teachers and coaches would, would be like, you should probably have a director or a coach. Generally. Yeah. But yeah. the truth is, it's not always uh, an option. Uh, sometimes it's really difficult to make it happen for a number of reasons, um, uh, consistency or, you know, uh, and also sometimes uh, although it may be, you know, more rare, uh, sometimes it's not the best scenario for a group, the best way yeah. to make the group. It's and but we would also bring in outside people once in a while, pretty rarely, but once in a while, we'd be like, we'd be like, okay, we need someone who's very good at this thing. Mm -hmm. We would benefit to basically organize a, a mini workshop for ourselves in rehearsal time, like bring someone in, have them run us through some stuff that like, it's great to be able to start to identify where your, 
your shortcomings are individually and collectively and just you know know their resources to, to pull yeah. and I, I would say like it's weird like for us i'm not advocating like no one should have a director no one should have a coach like it worked for us i think we lasted as long as we have because of and despite the fact that we, we were self-directed you know yeah, yeah i'll i've gone back and forth on it over the years about whether that was the right call or not because honestly it was kind of blind luck that we survived our first like three years without yeah. uh someone in charge I mean, like, it was definitely touch and go every once in a while, but I'm grateful in the long run that we didn't because I don't think we would have developed the voice we have or the vision we had. And I'm the same way as Casey, where, like, I would have, with a, with some, with a coach in the room, I would, despite how, despite their intentions, I would have been playing to please them. Yeah. Uh, rather mm -hmm. than than ourselves. And that's that's on me, not on that hypothetical coach. I think it's fine, though, to recognize how you are and to work mm -hmm. with it and not yeah. say yeah. I have to be like somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. And this I don't know how useful of a question this is, but I'm just curious um, if y'all would have any advice or or, or like on um, for a group, if they're wondering, like, are we going to be at our best potential with a coach or self-directed? Um, how how does a how does a team self evaluate to n even know which route to go? Mm, that's a great question. I'd say try it out. I mean, like anything, you know, you can think about it, but you never know until you actually try it on. Yeah. So you could like contract somebody to coach you for a month or two months, or depending mm -hmm. on what how often you perform, and then and then um, and then like make that very clear, like that the, the contract has a start and an end date and a potential to, you know, like let them know everyone should be in on that and then have us a, a couple months where you self facilitate. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm with you. I would say, uh, I would say even if you're going to have a coach or director, make sure that the driving force behind the group is your is the members of your group rather than that coach or director. Because honestly, like some of the groups that I have coached, when I stopped coaching them, they also stopped being right. a group, <laughs> you know, yeah. and like they thought they were going to keep going and a few like a month went by and it was like they dissolved, you know, and it yeah. was I think because they just weren't on the same page together as a yeah. as yeah. a group. Yeah, it sounds I guess like we're like... giving marriage advice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for 10 years. Oh. It is like, I mean, it is like yeah. a marriage. Roy and I were married. Yeah, <laughs> and we're divorced, and the troop has survived. So that's true. I'd yeah. say yeah. that yeah, we were married amazing. for eight, we don't have to, we we don't married have to for eight years. Yeah. That's amazing. We don't, but don't, Valerie, you, did you have something to add on to the? Oh, it's good. I guess what we're saying is every every group should be self directed in the sense that they should have their own idea about what they want as a group, mm -hmm. even if they do have a coach. Yes, who helps them get yes. there? Yeah. Yes. I did. That, yeah. 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 I think I think early on my concept of a of a troop having a having it, I think we never really embraced the word coach the way we never embraced the word team. So the idea of a troop having a director is like what? But a director is the person who makes the vision happen. Like that's us. I don't want someone yeah. else telling me what they want me to be doing for them. That doesn't make any sense to me. Why am I going to be doing that for fifteen years? <laughs> yeah, know? that's a that's a long time to maintain I, for one person to maintain a vision. Yeah, I, I think. Yeah, I feel like we have to recognize. You know, I was eighteen when we started PGraph, and I think there was a feeling of like you have to realize that you're all, in most cases, consenting adults. And you do not want to put a patriarchal or matriarchal or parent role on somebody else, yeah. um, but take responsibility for your own vision, inspiration, and uh, hopes and goals. And I think you do it at an individual level and you do it at a um, group level. Why do it otherwise? Unless you're just like, hey, we're just going to mess around <laughs> a few times. Well, or, or it's like you want to be a troop. For, you you kind of have this idea of being a troop for a year to all individually and collectively kind of get better at improv. But, mm -hmm. no, you know, if you're not if you're not trying to form an ensemble for the long haul, whatever that is yeah. in the improv world. And like, you know, that might be a, a that, that might be a perfectly valid. I think expectations are so important. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. 
and it'd be it's nice to outline those and sign off on them as a group yeah. it'll just make also just like the day-to-day -day or week-to-week -week easier mm -hmm. um I, yeah I, yeah i and i i love the uh the the idea of just having an end date to, to some things too is just like yeah. taking it take it in finite chunks I suppose I suppose even like the idea of having like a, a one-off workshop and, and sort of taking class together as a as a group, mm -hmm. you could also do for if you if you you know were gonna do a very particular genre and you mm -hmm. wanted to work with a director for a season or you know like a, a six month year long yeah. thing, uh, then yeah. you could do that too. Um, but just just knowing that like any any um, stretch of time doesn't have to be like indefinite and then to uh, you know further the the relationship analogy is like then it, then it does feel like a breakup if you like part with a coach or yeah. a director and yeah. it's just it's like kind it of collab like long-term collaboration advice that i think the world is slowly waking up to <laughs> it's just like yeah. oh we should say like you need to uh, you need to re re-up yeah like, yes. active actively be a part of the thing again rather than and honestly like, that sort of lesson has helped inform like what we do we're at the hideout theater, which is like we tend to gravitate towards uh, making shows happen rather than like house yeah. troops or anything like that is because they have a has a start, middle and end date. And then the show yeah. is over. You might yeah. perform with a lot of those same people again in a different combination, but everyone knows what they're getting into. Uh, and when it's over and that's why i always get mad as artistic director when the shows uh become troops afterwards roy and i get <laughs> unreasonably uh <laughs> not upset like irked when they're like we're gonna yeah. keep going i'm like oh but this works so well because you were doing it for three months and now you're done yeah <laughs> and then seeing seeing what becomes of them afterwards but i think all I like this is kind of each other, but... yeah it's all circling around like make sure your group is on the same page before you bring other people in and then know exactly why you're bringing them in and probably for how long. Yeah. One of our favorite uh, like genres and collaborations or show concepts was working with a local playwright, uh, mm -hmm. Steve Moore in Austin. And he had a show, we had a show concept we developed with him, but he was the director and we did a run of shows and it was fantastic. And it was unlike uh, something we would have done uh, by ourselves. And then we went and we did some more collaborations with him. We did a series of text message plays. Yeah. Receive on your phone entirely through text from different characters. We're like five, uh, six years ahead of the curve on that one. I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We realized like it would have been cool to bring that back during the height of COVID, but whatever. <laughs> he had um, gone well, on to other stuff. You know, he went off as and continued his writing practice in a completely different direction. Um, so. You know, we just kind of met up for a while and parted ways. Yeah. Uh, and speaking of uh, the different show styles, Sue has a question. Hi, Sue. Um, is there one show or shows, parts of shows that really stand out for their excellence that you look back at being your best work? If so, mm -hmm. can you share that with us and why you thought it was your best? Best is so hard. Best or favorite is always so hard. I think... Um, I think when we're doing the shows, a lot of them had moments we were very proud of that then kind of went into our improv uh, muscle memory. Like I, I think I, I, again, not best or favorite, but like there were some remarkable things we did in our very, very bleak sci-fi show that was the least audience pleasing <laughs> show concept we probably ever did. Like just broadly, like this was not made to make audiences happy, but like, you know, art isn't necessarily supposed to make you happy, but there, there were moments of like transcendent, uh, surreal beauty that show that uh, were incredible. And I, I, yeah. I don't know. If it was like, we had to go totally, we had to do some shows that were, miscalculated in the amount of uh, yeah, like drama in order to learn as a group that all shows need a little bit of like bitter and sweet. Mm -hmm. And I, it, I, you know, I think that was huge for us in now, like the past five years where we often just do a play from nothing and we're trying to do give give ourselves different ways to get suggestions where we could be wildly inspired in different directions without having to work up a format. Um, Can you I give an example of that? Of? Of, 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 uh, 
a unique uh, su- get, uh, suggestion you might get to inspire oh, yeah. you. Well, we were for a long time uh, just we had this book of play titles and we would have audience member grab the book and read out the play titles. And then each of us would pitch a quick synopsis of what that play title could be. And the audience would vote on their favorite and we would do it. And we did such wildly different shows. We also Mm -hmm. did stuff where we would have a bag of random books and literature and when we had an opening group, we would, before the opening group um, played, we would have the audience select a book out of the bag. And then we'd spend yes. 30, 20 or 30 minutes while the opening group was performing, quickly pouring over that one. So I'm realizing this as you're talking, Casey. It's like we started out for the first five years studying genres and playwrights <laughs> for like two months to come up with a format for that we'd run for two months. And then we went to let's pick a random book so we could study it for 30 minutes. And then yeah. it became, let's pitch you something in two sentences. So assume yeah. we're just going to get up, say one word, take their well, money. And- yeah. Well, we've been doing it lately because we didn't want to, we just got after yeah. doing no, the no, pitching just, for many years, we get like the, the audience. Skill, to, the skills just compound, yeah. you know, yeah. like, like we're able to do one thing because of the thing we did five years ago. Uh, but Valerie I, and Roy, do you, do you have favorite shows? or, well, or... I do have I a favorite. Was... I'll circle back around on show-wise. Yeah. I'm just thinking, and I don't know how much y'all talked about this while I was driving home, but, you know, when we were talking <laughs> about why we developed the different formats and genres, not only for the marketing, but to develop certain skills. Yeah. And I feel really proud of, like, when we developed a format and we could really plumb the depths of what that format had to offer us. And that's what I feel really proud of, of like doing villainy and really discovering how dark and how deep we could go. And then adding that to our tool belt or like doing screwball comedy and like developing like (laughs) how cute and sweet and romantic could we go, but also like how silly and wacky could we get with the characters and how much of like a group hubbub could we create with only four Mm -hmm. people on stage. Um, And then, so I feel really proud of being able to extend ourselves like with Grimm, like how just weird can we get with these German folk tales and just really go all in on whatever we're doing and then be able to take that level of commitment into a open-ended show. Right. And know yeah. that then whatever show we're doing, it's not going to, our shows aren't all going to look the same, that we're going to be able to pick a tone or pick a mood in whatever show we do and say, oh, okay, I get a feel of what the show is going to be. So let's go really far into that style. Yeah. Extreme versatility was really the name of the game and plug in right yeah as a as a actor on stage improvising as a group writing the story um with i think tone became so important to us and we and we really realized that and i think for me some favorite things i mean our improvised french farce is a show that we've taken around the world and i was thinking of that too and it's been we also kept changing the way we got suggestions for that show because we would get bored (laughs) and even the kind of the format of the show itself and realizing like audiences seem to want this show. It's really flashy, but we're getting bored. So let's just scrap the way and just reinvent the show again. No Mm -hmm. one knows what it is supposed to be. It has to be fun for us. And we have to feel like we are stretching. I think we all, I know improvisers who are so content and that's totally cool to do like the same sort of format over and over again. And it's actually, (laughs) I say like, it is my own thing I've realized. And we just all happen to sort of have this perpetual dissatisfaction where we get so (laughs) bored and I'm learning, you know, that that's a thing for me in all the other areas of artistry in my life. And it's fine. And it's just like part of who I am. But that was the thing that we also collectively shared was, we could only do one thing. We could only do a thing for two months because after that we had to move on because I was, we was get sick of like, and okay, the, we did it. <laughs> yeah. And we, we kind of like very early on adopted as part of our ethos that improv is at its best when it's on the edge of risk and failure. Uh, and like, we've seen some very, very astonishing, astonishingly good improvisers do extremely safe and boring shows 
And that was a, as big of a lesson for us as uh, them doing an incredible show. Um, and it's funny, if you follow the trajectory of the types of shows we've done in our aesthetic, it, it looks a little strange because there's this spot at which we got technically good at uh, improv uh, narrative and our shows became like very specific genres and theatrical. And then we've kind of gone past that and and looped back around into this like looser, uh, more playful, but still super theatrical style right. where uh, things will technically be sloppier. But I think that level of like joy and connection is stronger than uh, than it was before. Yeah. Uh, and that's... So yeah. Casey, you mentioning French farce reminds me. So, I, you know, again, trying to say like favorite show or favorite thing, like it, it's it's impossible. But one of the things I'm most proud of r with regards to farce is so we we I say toured, but we traveled to Australia to do like two and a half weeks of, of shows and workshops in uh, Brisbane, Melbourne and Sydney. And we were in in a theater. We, we had a theater in Melbourne for a week, so we were doing five shows in a row at this theater, which is like a big deal. It's a big deal for us. Like we have like you know a run of five shows in another country in a, in a downtown theater. Incredible. First night, so we're doing French farce the whole the whole time, all five shows. The first night, the show happened, and we we left the stage, and we're like, that felt okay, but. I don't know. There was a little something about this is feeling a little stale. We got to do this for four more nights in this room. So we like completely changed how we would get our inspiration and, and get the suggestion and change the like change the opening of the show to to give ourselves the spark that we knew would like be enough to like set us going. And the you know the next four nights, not that, that you know first night wasn't bad. It was just like mm, it's, it, something could something's off. And the next four nights were fabulous and wonderful. And it could have been very easy for us to say. Well, but we're here for four more nights, and it's it's a big deal that we're in this theater. We can't we can't mess with what we said we would do. It's like we still did the show, but we found a way to keep ourselves inspired. And I think that's overall the thing that I'm most proud of is like we, we mm -hmm. are continually trying to keep ourselves inspired because if we're not, it's gonna be mm -hmm. boring work. You know? you know, there's a bit of like improv wisdom that Keith Johnstone threw down uh, early on when we were getting started too, which was. Yeah. He, you know, he said, like, uh, improvisers should ask for a suggestion that inspires them, but they're all too scared to do that. And, of course, that was his <laughs> his like, way of, like, challenging. Uh, and we took we, we took the bait very hardcore. And so that uh, we were always on the lookout for uh, trying to get uh, a start to the show that will really spark us and start us off from inspiration. It's like, yeah, yeah. you could make any suggestion work, but if we can figure out a way that like we hit the ground running it makes everything so much easier yeah. i always get really tickled whenever i hear anybody be like oh i didn't know improv could be whatever it is yeah. like i didn't that know was... you were allowed to yeah. choose a suggestion or change your format that was or... kind of our sinister our sinister yeah. joy we be like yes you can <laughs> it's like... happening too that's the yeah. crazy thing is it hasn't stopped yeah uh, it's like that, that feedback Improv can be whatever you want it to be, y'all. It's like no nobody's gonna come and take away your improv card. Yeah. Kick you out of the out of the union. Like I mean, they might kick you out of their theater, but you know, it's but their just loss. go go start another theater. It's whatever. Yeah. Yeah. You just yeah. Yeah. Or do yeah. it in the park. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah, it is very clear that um you as a troupe have made improv everything you want it to be i i honestly i was uh selfishly hoping that somebody would say that the uh reverend goodman's cure all elixir traveling oh, review that is a good favorite. one it is a really oh good man one. that's another good example so it came out of cream was basically like <laughs> threatening no he was wanting to do a solo tom waits inspired show and we were like let's you're not gonna do that let's just do it with the four of us uh and then the original thought was that it would be a musical uh like traveling medicine show uh set somewhere between like 1890 and 1910 which is our sweet spot as a troupe and no, um, our sweet spot goes up to 1950 that's true it does yeah. yeah it's very it's still a pretty narrow Long window but you know 1950s. but we first started working up the show and we realized that like our musical improv chops were not up to snuff 
Like yeah. we just couldn't hang for what for and, what we thought the show was supposed to be. For what they thought the show was supposed to be. So we so we ditched the musical component for the first run of the show. And then we circled back on it a few years later and sure. we'd all gotten musical improv practice and it the we it, we turned the show into what we originally conceived it to be. So it was another yeah. indication of like we adapted to the circumstances. We had yeah. a we had a clear vision of what we wanted out of the show and we uh and we were willing to be flexible to to do the show that at the quality level we wanted to do. We need it, to know? do that show again. We'd be so much better at it now. <laughs> yeah, oh, you're right. yeah. oh my god. I gotta god. find my top hat. I can't find yeah. my top hat. We can well, do new costumes, don't worry. <laughs> I love that idea too that nothing is wasted because it reminds me too of um speaking of like our Grimm's fairy tale show, that actually we had the idea that we wanted to do a magical realism show and we were playing right. around with it and we couldn't quite Didn't figure quite, out how to make it yeah. work. But the work we did with that led mm -hmm. into our Grimm's yeah. fairy tale show. Totally. And I think later it all came around full circle when we did the show with Steve Moore, That's which right. was like a Murakami inspired show. And yeah. so that is kind of how we ended up making the magical realism work. Yeah, like so, right. 10 years, eight years yeah. later or something. Yeah, and, also and it's just like nothing is wasted. Like everything you try will teach you something, even if it doesn't yeah. turn out the way you imagined it would. And Hold I also on tightly, let go lightly. For yeah. sure, yeah. We started working up Grimm's Fairy Tale, and we were like, "This feels weird and random and childish." And we <laughs> almost ditched it until we just until we figured out a frame for the show that made it work for us. So yeah, yeah and then said, like, "Wait, this is weird and random and childish." <laughs> we love it. Yes, yeah. weird, random. Uh, yeah. So the show became partly about the storytellers, uh, in addition to the stories they were telling, and that made it work for us. So staying flexible and you know honest about what you want out of the show. Yeah. Well, I can't tell you how much I uh, love everything I'm hearing from all of you uh, about yeah. challenging yourself, keeping yourself inspired, uh, being flexible, and all the things you offered up about being self-directed and uh, what it takes to stick together for as long as you have and uh, keep the spark, um, you know, keeping you inspired uh, as much as, you know, people love your show, you got to love your show too. So uh, we really, really appreciate you being on and, and talking. Uh, I know I'm sparked and inspired about the conversation. So um, yeah, I hope everyone yeah. who tuned in is as well. Um, we're going to drop a link uh, because I don't think we did earlier um, in the comments here for your book, um, do it now essays on narrative improv. Uh, and before we let you go, is there anything else uh, you want to plug? Um, what, what are shows like for you uh, these days? Are you back to, to regular shows or uh, how does it look? So we, uh, Pigraph has a weekly show uh, on Thursdays at the hideout in person. Um, yeah. So that's more or less, more or less on, on, on track to be happening every week with a couple changes because of holidays, but uh, sure. yeah, we're doing that. And we're also, if anyone's out there running a festival, we are eager to travel again. Yeah. It's been too damn long. Yes. It's yep. time for us to hit the road and, and, and uh, get stupid on someone else's stage. Yeah. <laughs> I guess for a festival or if a, if a, yeah. if a theater has the ability to bring a group out, we usually yeah. will teach and perform um, yeah. over a, ex an extended weekend. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. So it. get us before we don't want to do it anymore. Yeah. <laughs> we have a, we have a two day, 12 hour narrative intensive that we haven't taught in a while, but we've taught it in 13 different cities, I think something like that. Wow. Uh, and it's, uh, it's basically us, uh, reverse engineering our process on narrative improv and then teaching it to, uh, whoever wants to learn it. Look, once you learn this one weird tip, it'll improv <laughs> for you. I'll, I'll tell it to you right now. It's just slow down your beginnings. That's it. Well, thanks again so much for joining um, PGRAPH and uh, honored to have you as our first team guest, uh, yeah. troop guest, I should say. Uh, on the show, and oh, um, thanks everyone I wish for we had another hour. <laughs> yeah, I know. No, me too. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, I'll, I'll go. I'm. I'm not doing back. anything. I know, right? Please, please do. Uh, we'd yeah, love to have we'll, you. we'll have you back uh, sometime soon. We'll um, 
because yeah, with as, as long as you've uh, been together and as much as you've done, there's so much more that we could uh, cover in the conversation. So um, uh, thanks again. Thanks for everyone tuning in. Thanks for the great questions. Um, and uh, for me and Bob and the Improv Network, uh, make sure you go to theimprovnetwork.org to check out all of our great resources. Remember that uh, we are not only live streaming on Facebook on the Improv Network and uh, Improv FAQ on YouTube, we are also an audio-only podcast available wherever podcasts are found. So catch up on any episodes you couldn't tune in for live um, in the podcast medium. Yeah. Uh, thanks, y'all. And we will catch you next time on the Improv Network podcast. Bye. Bye.